0: Hello, Dennis. Uh, now I'm not going to say Ola because I am back in Malta. Uh, so an English uh, English phrase. How are you doing? It's been a week full of tennis, obviously. Have you been playing anything?
1: Uh, hello. I, I was really hoping for a Maltese uh, greeting from you, but this is what I get, so uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, um, More like watching than playing. Uh, it has been a really, really wet week in, in England, like a ridiculously wet week. Uh, it has been I mean you know I, I drive a lot because of my work and and the last few days has been mayhem on the roads it, it is just absolutely mental but yeah I've been watching instead of, of playing which is not as uh, not as fun before we started the, um, the podcast we were actually talking about it that I'm I'm planning to do a lot more paddle so uh, so that's 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 the idea because they have a roof over our heads, so so that's that might be the case, but yeah, it has been an absolutely unbelievable week in tennis, and uh, we have quite a few topics what we want to cover. Um, how was your flight back to Malta?
0: It was very good, except that the boiling is striking, so there is no uh, service, so you you have to uh, you can't even drink water. I well, you could ask for water, but it was a bit like you had to walk up to the. Stuff. So it was an interesting one, but they otherwise very nice and relaxing. I've been watching quite a bit as well with all the tennis nerds in Marbella, and it's been a very fascinating, you know, turn of events. Like with Rune, especially, I think the biggest exclamation mark, at least on the men's side, is is him winning beating Novak. I was actually playing at the, say, at the time, but at the tennis club, I usually play. They have uh, big screen TV, so you could watch it from behind, and there was a, a Novak fan who was very, very upset watching this <laughs> this match. I saw it, so I had to ask uh, because it was topsy-turvy. It was like uh, he was leading most of the time, I would say. Did you see the final?
1: I have. I, I watched it throughout, and um, before I get into the final, I have to say, wow, Rune. And we also have to to say that Apparently Muratoglu is working out pretty well for Rune, because since he's in his camp, he's unstoppable. So only the Rat hot Felix just beat him in the last month, which which tells a story. And then he beat uh, Felix. Um, he won Paris with beating five top teners, five in a row. It is unbelievable. And he's he's playing a really, really exciting tennis. So it's um it's not like I, I really like this new way of tennis, what Rune and Alcaraz plays, that it's really attacking. They they have every shot in their repertoire. Rune served, we talked about it last week, that it's a really good motion and he, he can place it really well. And, and to be fair, Novak couldn't really read it either. Wow. It has been a great, great final in general as well. Um, I felt Novak could have, yeah, he has some sort of, lack of of uh, concentration because he he was smashing everyone in the first set literally smashing everyone so like Musetti was was uh seven love down so six uh, six love one love when um uh when he won his first game and then he broke Novak and and that was the that was the theme with everyone else as well so in his semis um Tsitsipas broke him in the second set in the first set it was really easy for Novak then the same thing happened with uh, Rune the first set was really easy comfortable 6-3 you know in the second set I felt like why why is Rune breaking him like I don't really know like he he missed three easy forehands and then then you know the break was there and then Rune I really had to fight for it but then he um then he got it and and you know what after that like the last game at 6-5 up um in Rune's uh, point of view it was an epic it was a 20 minute game uh he had um match point he hit a double uh Novak had like seven break points or something ridiculous and um and then Rune just you know as as it was nothing he he just um he just in the end uh, got it and um yeah it was it was it was a great great final, um, and the great performance and, uh, the sky's the limit. It's really hard to, to see now, you know, last year, obviously we were, everyone was talking about, um, Carlos and, uh, this year as well. Cause obviously he has his, uh, first, um, first grand slam and he's world number one and all that, uh, funnily enough, Tsitsipas can be world number one still if he wins, um, uh, Turin. Oh, wow! Uh, now I didn't he's know third. That. Yeah, yeah. Now he's third in the rankings. Carlos is the first, uh, Nadal to Titi Pass three. And um and Rune is now top ten. So <laughs> he was just introduced in the top 20 last week, and now he's a top 10er. The comparison which I came up with, and I told you that um during the weekend and and I, I don't really like comparison because i know that all these guys are are different and all these guys we don't really know what Rene's career will be like we don't really know what Carlos's career will be like and all that but we can sort of feel after watching tennis for 30 years what might happen with these kids and what i feel is that these two guys because they're good friends as well they played doubles there was this lovely footage where they played doubles and that was that was great these two kids are kind of similar for me as Novak and Andy Murray was because they they came on the scene both um, both are the same age uh Irune is i think one month uh younger than Carlos but it's it's nothing really or older whatever so they're pretty much the same age and that was the same thing with with Andy and Novak and they came on the on on the tour uh, same time they started making waves and um and Andy he was a bit bigger talent than than Novak was, but then Novak just somehow found something, and then then he started crashing Murray, and and then since then, obviously, we we both know uh, the guys' um, career. So you know, Andy had a great career. He's st- he's still going strong. Um, I mean, strong is 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 uh, is a bit of an exaggeration, but he's still there, and he's still playing good matches. Uh, But Novak is still still the GOAT. So uh, one of the GOATs. I just like to say this three GOATs thing. And I don't want to don't want to say that there's just one GOAT. And I feel the same thing about Rune and, and Carlos that it's it's quite fascinating to see. And I think it will be a really, really good thing for tennis. I, I actually just had this um, uh, comment in in a Hungarian tennis group, and I was a bit surprised that you know everyone was saying, "Oh yeah, but you know this this guy is just nothing nothing special." You know he had a good week and that sort of thing. Oh God, no! I mean, you know when when everyone else was saying about this about Zverev and Dimitrov and Nishikori and all those guys, they were okay, but we no one really felt that these guys were gonna be that special. What Zverev was Zverev is is something else, but Zverev is not a natural winner i don't think and the other thing is that he has limitations in his game so his his volleys he's working on his volleys but it was a tough tough thing with these kids they don't have a weakness i don't see what the weakness is with rune or with carlos with carlos the serve is the only thing which comes up but he has such a variety in his game that it's tough and when you look at rune there's no limitation in his game. Nothing. His his backhand is already one of the best in the tour. Um, his serve is great. He can volley easily. He has the drop shots. I don't really know what's, what's going wrong with him or what can go wrong with him, apart from his mindset, but they are working on it as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it will be interesting to see the Muratoglu effect. We talked about him before. Some people are not fans. Uh, he is a, a very self-promotional character in tennis and has some interesting ideas with the UTS we talked about the ultimate tennis showdown but he seems to do good mental work with certain players I, I don't i mean depends on the player maybe but he seems to have some way at least of influencing a player in a positive way and what we see with rune is that he needs some kind of calm influence mentally because mentally he has breakdowns i mean his talent is obvious he, he like you say he has no weaknesses almost But then he has these mental breakdowns and he screams at his mother and he does other things. You know, if there's uh, YouTube compilations of him losing his mind and uh, the opposite is Carlos, who's very calm, very confident, charismatic dude. So they're a little bit different. And I think they can build a rivalry for sure. You know, along maybe Sinner and and some other guys uh, coming up maybe in the next gen finals. We'll see. But uh, that's for sure. These two players are much stronger talents looking at them now than, for example, Dimitrov and even even Zverev, I would say, looking at the game. Although Zverev at that time he came was a very dominant force and yeah, he's still you know, probably going to win a slam. What was interesting about the Novak thing you mentioned is that Novak usually starts slow, right? So he usually gives one, two sets and then he just turns on Novak mode and he wins. And in this tournament, it was the opposite. He started well. And he, his, it's almost like his motivation dropped. Like, oh, I'm winning too. Easy. This is too easy. I can just do whatever I want. And then he lets the guy into the match, and he needs to really play clutch in the last. And I saw the match against Sitsipas, and uh, yeah, was you know impressed by Sitsipas. I know he can play well, but it was it looked a bit like Novak was not turning on the full gear there. You know, it was a bit uh, slow performance. And then he managed to. I mean, Novak is one of the best tiebreak players of all time, and he, he wins the tiebreaks most of the time. But against Rune, he didn't. So um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens in the ATP finals. I think in Novak's case, not being able to play these slams is probably in the back of his head, and he's really pissed about that. Which which I understand. Like I, I can understand that it. it's it's definitely logical that he is that way. But I think it's hard to forget that you know now Rafa has 22. He has 21. He didn't play. He only played two slams. Won one of them. And I guess he gets to play Australia, but who knows? Uh, I'm not sure if that's certain or not. So, uh, but yeah, Rune a very exciting player. Nice to see dynamic tennis. I think that's the way. it's the modern tennis. If you have any weakness, if you don't, you know, if you're not able to hit like big on forehand, backhand, then you're not gonna win. Like you need to have two big shots. You can't just have a big forehand. It's not enough anymore. Like you need to be solid all throughout. Like the level of tennis now is so insane. And I think we will see more of that also in the next-gen finals. A bit that they are very, uh, very kind of complete players for that age, and then they need to obviously improve. But yeah, very, very fun to see, and uh, yeah, a very exciting week in Paris with Gilles uh, Simon also retiring. Did you see any of, his, of the pushy Simon's matches?
1: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen all three actually, because um, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna miss the old man's um, last breath on a tennis court and to be fair it was great and and it's so much fun that he won two matches obviously Felix was too much for him but you sort of thought that Fritz will be too much for him um and Fritz had a lot of motivation as well there so that's that's why it was surprising that Fritz couldn't come through um because Simon he what he did is absolutely unreal and there's a few French players who didn't have the ultimate weapons, like, for example, Santoro and Simon, who's, who's like, you know, they, they cannot hit through the ball, but they still managed to win tennis matches. And Simon, uh, as we talked about it, he won 14 ATPs um, and he was sixth in the world. So his best ranking was uh, sixth in the world. Which is absolutely unreal. it's It's not something which which uh, a lot of people can can say, like you know there's there's quite a few good players, even um, I wanted to say slam winners, but that's not true because obviously, if you win a slam, you get two thousand points and that gets you to the top ten. but there's there's quite a few good players who never achieve top ten. So you know Simon's career is absolutely unreal. Uh, he's definitely an overachiever. we We tend to use this term for quite a few players, you know, for example, Nori, uh, there's underachievers like Montfis and, and there's, there's Simon. And, and what he did to the game is absolutely brilliant because uh, pushy guy, there's no serve, his service. It's like a, a women's serve and no offense man whatsoever. But you know, it's, it would be great if, um, if there would be a few more players like him, but you know, tennis is going to be this this uh, gladiators game, and and uh, as we see now, what Rune and and Alcaraz and Sinner, all these guys are doing. Yeah, I, I think that he was he was the last of his kind, um, because when when you look at um, I, I was looking at a few footages of of Sampras against the Filipusis, um in uh, Down Under, and oh my God, <laughs> you know the tennis is so different. It was like they didn't have backhands. Their backhands were like these not nice, a lot of elbow movements. So it wasn't like the smooth Vavrinka or, or, you know, Musetti uh, or Shapovalov swings. They were just like these, yeah, weird, weird backhand shots. Um, but yeah, Simon was great, and we wanted to talk about the French, right? And the French crowd. Oh my God, they made it hard for some people, and that is that is a main reason why Simon could actually beat Murray because Murray was six four five three up, uh, and then he was serving for it as well, and then Simon just came back, um, and then he won it in in a third set.
0: Yeah, I mean the French crowd is is famous, right? I mean they made the Alcaraz lose a set. Or from like Five Love or something because they called him Pimple Face or Pizza Boy or whatever they called him back a year ago it was (laughs) it was pretty pretty harsh for a teenager to to get this stuff but they are ruthless like they are just like okay we're gonna support our boy if we have to throw out like pumpkins on the other player you know it's it's uh, yeah very different from a tennis crowd usually. Uh, But yeah, it seems to work. I mean, their players, uh, Gaston, uh, he plays really well in France, but not so well when he goes outside France. Simon was doing well in France, usually. I think many French players like playing at home. What I remember is Simon, I think Simon beat Rafa in Madrid once. Am I? Yeah, yeah, I'm remembering that correctly. Like he played, I think maybe the match of his life, he beat him in in Madrid. It was indoors, but still like pretty impressive. And it's funny when you have guys that play tennis in a way... That you don't think tennis can be played like it doesn't look like he belongs in in the top 10 for sure but even like top 100 looks strange uh but he he has like a way of, of returning i think is his best strength but also like his passing shots are second to none like he will find a way to thread a needle or pass the ball or he plays so smart like he, he opens up the court well and then he has enough to just hit a winner uh, but but he can't really control from the back like it doesn't work like other players can generally so a uh, fun player to watch and like you say i think you're 100% on the money there will not be many simons from now on uh, although there are you know more defensive players but the way he played is is quite quite different but uh, yeah i would like not to play uh, a tournament in france uh, against a french player <laughs> that would
1: <laughs> i never did but it
0: uh, would be tough i think
1: yeah you had a you had a few uh, few tough ones on on the uh, itf masters as well i believe but yeah I mean, yeah and a, that
0: that's enough. I don't. I don't want any more of <laughs> this.
1: You, you don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so, so a few things about uh, what we talked about. The crowd. Oh my God. They are absolutely insane, aren't they? They, they, they scream. They shout. I haven't heard that pimple face, but I, I, you know, bless him. He's, uh, yeah, he's gonna grow. He's still 19, so you yeah, know, yeah. his skin's gonna, his skin's gonna get better. Hopefully he's not going to lose his hair as as blessing Rafa did. Um, yeah. Even yeah, after, yeah. <laughs> even after, even after his uh, transplant hair transplant, it, it's like it, nothing ever happened. And a couple of players, which I actually just said uh, about uh, connection to Simon, is uh, Mute and Quarantine Mute and um, Gaston, and both guys they don't they they are magicians with a tennis wand wand, and. Um, and i think it's it's unbelievable what they can do and they are really small like they're like under 170 or around, around 170 so like 5 6 or something and and they they just somehow i mean the drop shots on both guys are absolutely insane but nonetheless, they have a lot of power, but literally they just like jump into the ball and just go through the ball to just hit it really well. So, it, I mean, it doesn't matter sort the swing way they have on their racket, but they just still do it. And there are quite a few French players who were absolutely amazing and couldn't really get through it. Um, there was uh, Paul-Arne who was the biggest, um, He he's supposed to be the best out of the whole bunch, like, you know, the Tongas, the Montfises, the uh, uh, Gasques, And he never could get over, I think his best ranking was like top 50. And he had everything. So he was like the mo- a modern player and somehow he couldn't get through. And that was down to the French crowd as well, because he lost, I think, a uh, uh, Grand Slam final match. Um, and he just he just some, somehow never get get through that. So so you know it, I do I do feel for these guys and Ute is is just absolutely crazy. We talked about it that he he's um, sometimes making temptrum, tantrums uh, during um, uh, the warm ups as well. But but yeah, Guston is is a lot nicer. He's a lot calmer. But unfortunately, they they have um, body limitations and. You know we 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 can see it in Schwartzman as well. He, he He didn't really have a good year. And Schwartzman, because of not having a good year, he's just going back on the rankings. And I don't really think that he can he can get back with this with this new tennis, which is going on that even uh, not just not just from the baseline, but you know everything else is working out for these guys. So long story short, French crowd, no thanks. I we want to go to to the Garros next year. Uh, my wife was was saying that we should go for the first week for a couple of days, and, and that would be quite nice to see the long land and and um, how it's played on the red dirt and and all that. But but yeah, I, I wouldn't be a tennis player in France, um, and that's why Murray could could lose it. That's why uh, Fritz could lose it. That's why Nori actually could lose it uh, against uh, Gaston. Uh, sorry, against uh, Moutet. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I really wouldn't play there.
0: No, it's it's tough. I and mean, uh, it, it's it's funny when you see a guy like Murray, uh, who has played a billion matches and been around the tour, and has pretty... I mean, his head is not the strongest, maybe always, but he's been around, right? And he it still gets to him, and and he loses his cool. I think he was pretty pissed after the match, and he ended with a double fault in his loss. So, uh, you definitely, this is not the easiest the uh, easiest place to to play. Uh, but yeah, great tournament. Uh, we'll see what Novak does in the ATB Finals. And Rune goes there as uh, a reserve. So he won't play the next-gen Finals, which already started today. And he will still be a-, a reserve, which makes all the sense in the world. I mean, if you're a top-ten player, you don't probably play the next-gen Finals, I would say. And the guy who wins the next-gen Finals is usually doing big things. So that we've seen that, I think, every year. Like, you have Sitsipas winning... Carlos, Sinner, you know, very good players winning the next gen. So it's not like a tournament to take lightly, I would say. Uh, but uh, before we go into next gen finals, talking about crowds, there was a WTA finals and there were not many people in the stadium. Uh, from what I saw, I didn't see the the last few matches, but it was a huge stadium there in Texas. And uh, yeah, it seemed to be lacking a bit of, of crowd. But in the end, Karoline Garcia ended up winning, which was uh, impressive, and she deserved it with this uh, very impressive year she had. The last six months of the year was very good for Garcia. You picked her to win US Open. She was close, semifinals. And uh, we both picked Sabalenka to to win, and she reached the finals. So I think we can be pretty chill with our prediction. It was not that easy to predict. Uh, Generally, what else did you see? Anything from the WTA finals that surprised you?
1: A few few things about a few feedbacks on what you said. First of all, about Novak, um, because I, I, I wanted to wanted to say that, and after that I will get to the crowd in, in Fort Worth. So Novak played really well, and that's that's uh, even surprisingly well because if you think about it, yeah, he won two tournaments uh, before Paris, and then he he didn't play uh, the 500s either, uh, Basel or or Vienna, which was surprising for the both of us but he played amazingly well. And, and as you said, um, yeah, he felt like I felt the same as what he could have possibly felt that this is going way too easily. Like, I don't even have to play that hard. So, so you could see it on him that he was like a bit upset as well that like, how can I lose my concentration this quickly? Cause if you look at it, he should have beat Rune in two sets. He should have beat Tsitsipas in two sets because, uh, yeah, he lost the second set, but that was his fault that he lost it. So it was it was strange, and I think I, you know, we we predicted him to win Paris, both of us, and uh, and we were really close with Sabalenka and Novak as well. So we we might have to take up betting now. And I and I picked Musetti for the next gem, but we'll, we'll talk about that as well. But Musetti had a really really good um, autumn as well. So if you look at him, Musetti was playing unbelievably well. He won a tournament. You know, outdoor hard. Uh, he he beat quite a few good players. For example, Chilich was really easy, straight set, six four six four in Paris, which was surprising for me. So that's about Paris. It was a great tournament. Um, it was we we actually got it right uh, that not a lot of big guns. Um, you know, it was a, it was a great semifinal. So if you think about it, Tsitsipas got to the semis, Filas got to the semis. So it was fairly fairly. Down to um, to what we were thinking about, and Rune, yeah, he wasn't a big surprise either because you know Rune was was playing unbelievably well. Yeah, his draw was unreal. So that's about Paris, about the uh, ladies' world champs. It's a set scene, and as we talk about it, and as you see, paddle, for example, in in Westfield in London, and also you see pickleball picking up. Like for example, I, I just ordered some uh, original Penguin uh, tennis shirts for myself, and they say it's for pickleball, paddle, and tennis. So, mm. it's 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 kind of an interesting one. And yes, tennis is making waves, which is great, and it, it has to be done because otherwise, it is scary if we, if we don't if if you know the ATP doesn't do something. You know when when you've seen how many people in Fort Worth wanted to see the ladies, the best ladies in the world. It is scary. And, you know, it, it It goes down to the fact when we talk about the prize monies and, and that, you know, obviously the ladies should be earning the same sort of thing. Are they that marketable as the, the men? Yeah. I don't really think they are. Um, yeah. I might be controversial with my opinion. Look, We've got Rune Akaraz coming 19-year-old kids who already beat the old guard, Fair, like, fairly comfortably as well. Not not Novak against, uh, you know, in the Paris Masters final because that, that's never going to be an easy match. But, like, Rune was so convincing against, for example, Felix and and so convincing throughout, like, even against Akaraz. Bless him. We haven't talked about it. Akaraz just... Um, um he's not playing the uh, atp finals because uh, he um, he ruptured his uh, his i think abdominal uh, sub- yeah some yeah, ab- muscle, abdominal yeah. yeah 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 back to the ladies and i know it's a controversial topic and and i know andy really likes to talk about it and and i'm and i'm absolutely up for you know e- equal treatment of women but, but do people watch the women's finals I mean, it was in a bad timing as well, because, you know, in the States, you might have watched it. But were you going to get up in Europe to watch the ladies like, I don't know, uh, a Garcia against like Coco Golf, Or maybe you would watch that one. But, you know, uh, uh, Kasatkina against, I, I don't know, Shontek. Would you would you actually wake up to watch that game? I don't yeah, it's a good it
0: good question. I, I think it's 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 difficult with uh, with yeah gender issues and equality in in sports because there's yeah the market says one thing and then you can argue the other way. We need to get more women to watch tennis and watch sports and and also hosting a sports a tennis event in Texas when there's pickleball is is really taking over the whole country in of the U.S. Like pickleball is the fastest growing sport of all time. A lot of tennis YouTubers are complaining that it's like they are removing tennis courts, they are repainting tennis courts, putting weird lines on there. Uh, but I did read that the, the attendance wasn't as bad as it might have looked, I think, because the stadium was so big. Uh, apparently, it was like 6,000 people in the final. But still, yeah, it didn't look great. Uh, I don't know the, the attendance of the ATP finals, but I guess it's it's uh, should be, be more... Uh, people than 6,000 so it's it sometimes it, it was selling women's sports feels a bit artificial uh, and I do 100% agree that that you know women should get the same of everything but it's it's yeah it sometimes it becomes a bit artificial like you're, you're pushing something that maybe the market is not ready for or, or whatever good tournament I guess that's what the players seem to like it there and it depends on China if they're going to return to Fort Worth right it's like if the China issue is resolved uh, with Peng Shui and stuff like that then then they might return to China but Otherwise, probably it stays in Texas, maybe for, for it, more.
1: Was it? It wasn't there last year, was it? I think this is the first time it was in Fort Worth.
0: Yeah, there? exactly. It's just always in China, right? Or always? I mean, the last few years. Yeah, yeah. yeah years, but yeah. last
1: year, last year it was uh, it was um, Malaysia or something or Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe,
0: maybe you're right.
1: You're, you might but, right. but yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just um, guessing because, yeah, you know. For example, I, I am so happy for Carol Garcia. I think she she did absolutely brilliantly, and Sabalenka she did brilliantly as well and she really enjoyed these these uh fast hard courts and i mean it, it was a quality final uh you know quality semis um and all that i think in a way the next gem finals will get a bit more uh focus than than the women's i think
0: part of it like if you really want to push this event and get more people involved i think like i said last time i think it's an idea to to put them together like combine the events so it becomes more like a slam vibe because now the scheduling uh, you know it's very early it's already it's like early november first week of november you do running these finals and then it's like two months off or whatever uh why is it like that it feels a bit strange it should be at the same time as the atp finals at least so you feel that it's like finals finals you know uh, maybe it was due to the scheduling and the china issue probably was that but I think it it hurt the event uh, a bit more. And if you want to build it, you need to think about marketability, timing in the calendar, where is it based? Like, where is tennis huge at the moment? Or do we have any like huge women stars from this country, whatever? Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's hard hard to hard question to to say. Uh, I think tennis is is doing well. I heard from from like the companies I talk to that work in tennis, but paddle and pickleball are, are really. I would say catching up and and you know the worry is obviously that it will, you know, overturn tennis. I guess the the best approach, in my opinion, is to to welcome other sports and say, hey, you know, we can coexist and then hopefully players come to tennis. Players who think tennis is too demanding, they can move to pickleball or paddle. Players who think that paddle and pickleball maybe are not exciting enough or not physical enough, they can go to tennis. So it becomes kind of like an ecosystem of racket sports. I think that would be the best approach. Uh, instead of, I know a lot of tennis players are like, you know, give shit to Puddle and pickleball. I've I've been there myself, but I, I see it as maybe a bit of a childish approach. You have to just say, hey, better that people exercise than nothing, right?
1: Yeah, I think I think these these two sports are great. Although when I look at pickleball, I just I just still don't really know how uh, a plastic ball can be fun to hit with literally with with a with a wooden stick, but. I, I mean, I have to try it, so uh, I'm I'm not going to be biased towards it. It it sort of made made makes me wonder because I do I, I started playing paddle and and I'm absolutely drawn into it. And so I think definitely they can coexist, and I think uh, tennis is a really tough sport. Paddle isn't that tough of a sport. Like you know, after playing one game. Uh, I felt like, yeah, I can do this all day. Not it's, it's really demanding in terms of like, yeah, obviously if you play for two hours, you're going to get absolutely knackered. So that, that's fine. But what I mean about it is, is that it's, it's fun. It's not as demanding. So if, if you, if, if your footwork isn't that good, uh, you can still enjoy it. It's doubles, which is also really enjoyable. So, so that's, that's great. Um, And, and I, I believe the two things are pretty similar and it, it it maybe even help your tennis game because uh, like volleying is, is something which you can it's it's the same movement same strokes as as volleys in tennis but with a with a bit easier sort of stick in your hand or you know bat in your hand and um and i and i think it's it's a great sport um i think it, it can definitely coexist and about what you said uh, about fort worth and and where to take it yes i think it would definitely be a good idea to to have it as a as a joint event. Uh, maybe you know, just like a Vienna Basel or something, would also be quite fun to to have that sort of uh, uh, co-existent thing. Or I don't know, like a, um, a London Manchester or or something like that, where where it's close enough, and you know, people can if they want to see either or. But you know, the States is a tough one because. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, possibly women's women's tennis is still up there and, and Coco Golf and Pagula is still going strong and they're they're like hitting really good balls. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not happy. I'm really not happy about seeing the numbers. Yeah, I you know, 6,000 people, it sounds fair, but at the end of the day, it's not about the 6,000 people. It looked absolutely grim when you looked yeah, was, at the, was bad- of the stadium.
0: Yeah, it was a bad, uh, bad thing. Uh, I actually read that it had to compete against Halloween night, and uh, multiple days where the NBA, NFL, NHL, college football, and World Series were all going on. So the scheduling to put that like against all that stuff. Uh, the guy who ran it said they could have doubled it without all that against. And I, I would, I would agree that probably like yeah. the scheduling was was a big thing. Uh, but wait, I will see next year and uh, if they they have to schedule it differently because you can't like compete against these not in the US you can't compete against the bigger sports there's no chance right so
1: but but again just just put it like look just put it in put it in, in London you're you're gonna have a lot of people in London who will just watch it yeah. put it in Paris the same thing will apply um put it in I don't know um Rome a lot of people will go yeah but don't of course. put it somewhere I don't I, I get it that you wanna you wanna take it to places where tennis might not be the first thing but you want to get money. This is this is all business. So that's that's that comes down to business. That it's unbelievably um, expensive to run a tennis tournament. So come on, yes, you put it in the states where NFL, NBA, NHL, all those things do happen at the same time. So do count that in. That's your job. So that's that's what I'm saying. That it's I think it's 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 pretty ridiculous to put it in, in Texas out of all the places. Because if you put it in New York, you will have enough people again. If you put it in LA, you will have enough people. But Fort Worth, yeah, it's a big city, but it's not one of the major cities in the world.
0: No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Even, and not
1: even close to it.
0: And I, I don't think it's a tennis city from what I know about it, but uh, yeah, it's it's it seemed strange. It was uh, seemed like a kind of a last minute decision, but it can't be obviously because they have to plan this long long in advance. And and sometimes when you move a tournament to a different location, whether it's forced or you just have an idea, like for example, uh, the ATP Finals in London felt like home for that event. Like it always felt like that was a perfect event. O2 Arena, beautiful arena, very good atmosphere pretty much packed, I would say, at least when I visited and saw the matches. And uh, I, I don't know the Turin if it's, it seems good that it's Italy because Italy is doing so well and they have like so many players, but but it still feels like it kind of should have stayed in London <laughs> somehow. It felt yeah, like a I, natural location.
1: I agree because uh, we've been in Turin last year. We, we've we seen the arena because uh, the Davis Cup finals were played there and Hungary was playing and we went to support the guys. Um and great arena don't get me wrong and and i'm pretty sure like turin is not london <laughs> again turin is i just don't really get like i i really don't get these decisions cuz um if if you put it in one of the major cities in the world even like i don't know put it to vienna or 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 put it to prague you will get enough people cuz cuz a lot of people from like you know, If you put it to Vienna, a lot of people from Budapest will travel there. A lot of people from Zagreb will t- travel there. A lot of people from Slovenia will tra- travel there. So it's like, just if you put it in Turin, yeah, the same thing can, can apply. Because obviously Slovenia and Budapest, they, they're not too far away. Vienna is not too far away. But will they go there? I don't know. I think London should have stayed. And and I 100% agree with you that, that the O2 Arena... Was meant to be the the world champs or you know the ATP finals for men, and why not have it the same arena a week before for women?
0: Yeah, yeah, and then you build up like excitement, and it's like two weeks of tennis, like a Grand Slam. Yep. a lot of things that could be improved, I think, in in tennis overall. And I, I think like when you we always talk about like the empty two fifties, and there's a lot of structural changes. Uh, to make tennis more marketable, which I think is becoming more and more important because now other sports are coming. They have huge sponsorships like in pickleball. They have so many like big athletes going into pickleball. Same in, in Europe with Padel, like in, in Sweden, there are a lot of ex-professional football players, Italy, ex-professional football players, Spain as well. Uh, so the Padel and, and Pickleball getting such hype that we need to compete and innovate in some way not to lose the, the battle against other sports and to make sure tennis, you know, stays in the spotlight and deserves. Uh, I mean, we can share the spotlight, but tennis should not lose out to these other sports with all the history and all the, you know, uh, accolades of tennis. I think that would be strange.
1: We're, we're talking about one of the biggest sport in the world. Uh, if you look at it, like, you know, the grandstand finals are are almost like World Cup finals. I mean, no, but in a way they are. A lot of people just watch it for the sake of it. Like, Wimbledon yeah. finals are a spectacle. The world stops in, yeah, okay. I would say in England, definitely, but in Europe as well. I'm pretty sure that everyone has to watch the men's, but even the women's in that matter. Um, yeah, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? That um, we are tennis nerds. we We love this sport. We talk about it all the time. Um we watch it, we we cover it, we we follow Instagram pages, Twitter pages, Facebook pages, and we see the emergence of pickleball and and paddle. For example, Jamie and Andy Murray played in London in the Westfield um shopping mall because they have a temporary um paddle court and they just played there. And which was funny to see because, um, um, obviously, Jamie Murray is, is uh, sponsored by Dunlop in, in the rackets, and he wasn't playing with the Dunlop pedal racket, but Andy was <laughs> playing with a head one. Uh, what was his name? Uh, I wanted to say quickly the um, uh, Noah behind the racket,
0: uh, behind yes. the racket. yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Noah I can't Rubin. remember his name, Noah Rubin, Noah Rubin, Noah Rubin. That's yeah, yeah. Name. So he's he was a good player. He was a top hundred player, you know, like a Michael Russell type of player. So he was like really strong and you know he, really stocky kids. Uh, he, very he's fast, I think that, uh, his main yeah, yeah, thing yeah.
0: was he was just very speedy. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's good player, good player. He just um, sort of announced his retirement this year, but he's doing behind the racket, and that's that's also a great great thing to see uh, that he uh, he came up clever guy. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. So he started. He started playing pickleball. Obviously, he's brilliant at it. <laughs> Why wouldn't he be brilliant at it? And and um, I've seen Eisner play pickleball. So a lot of Americans are now. And I think, like you know, if Eisner decides, yeah, I'll I'll just hang up the racket and do pickleball, and I'll just play the pickleball major league. And I don't know, I will get two million dollars out of it for a season. Yeah. Well, you know what? I would even pick up a pickleball bat.
0: Yeah. And that's I? how it is. I mean, like the money comes in after you, I mean, you get some sponsors and then the hype starts. And then since the sport, I played pickleball. I played the Malta open last year, uh, cause my friend plays pickleball. He played actually, uh, two days ago, he played the other championship, and it, it's fun, but it's like, you know, it lacks depth to me. I know a lot of pickleball people, if they listen to this, which I doubt, I will say, hey, you know, you don't understand. Um, there was a funny exchange. Someone asked Andy Roddick, like, what is pickleball? And he said, like, it's, uh, it's like tennis, but without the speed, the spin, uh, the you know, the <laughs> physical challenge and the anything. He, he's kind of pretty much uh, really tore it to bits in one sentence, like Andy Roddick style. And then a pickleball guy who was like an official account on Twitter, I think it was, he's like, hey, Andy, you know, like, I will show you the learning curve because he said, like, uh, pickleball is like tennis without a learning curve. And he said, oh, I will show you the learning curve. And then Andy Roddick replied, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I do understand that. And, and Andy Roddick is, is my hero. So, you know, I will. I will go with what he says. I don't really think that's the same thing for pedal. With pedal, I do see why I would like to do that, apart from the roof over our heads. But I, I, do, I do see the difference. And I do see why Andy Roddick, who has been, you know, we can say he has been top 10 uh, American uh, best player ever. He's in the top 10 in, in, in my liking as well. Uh, it would be quite funny to, to uh, think about who's the top 10 of, of American men's tennis. But I, for me, he's definitely top 10. I wouldn't say top five because there's uh, too many Connors and McEnroes and Agassiz and San for that. But, but, you know, he's, he, he knew how to play tennis and, and he had a great, great tennis game and he still has a great tennis game. We don't want to lose the focus from tennis. Definitely. We don't want to lose the focus. It, after a while, it some somehow comes up that it might be too technical for the just just the viewer who just views it for the first time or who just watches a tennis match. And maybe pickleball is a bit faster, it's a bit more understandable. It's a bit more sort of engaging, which I don't agree with, but it might be the case. I don't know.
0: I think uh, I mean, it's fun to play. I think both puddle and pickleball bowl are are fun. Uh, Similar in in enjoyment to me, uh, obviously tennis wins, but yeah, uh, it's it's a fun sport. I mean, the the smaller the court, the less you move, right? So I mean, I played pickleball singles against a, a guy who plays for the national team here, and and it was fun actually. I was like I enjoyed the singles one. Uh, the doubles felt like the court is too small for my liking. I like moving, you know. I don't even like tennis doubles, so. For me, I I want to run from one side to the others and then pickleball feels like, yeah, uh, I hardly sweat, you know, but there's depth to everything. uh, But I do feel like it's, it's, yeah, the the smaller the court, uh, the less exercise and that appeals to maybe the wrong uh, thing. Better sports than no sports, but yeah, go for something demanding that takes time to learn and, and try to learn it. I think there's a beauty in that, that things take time and it's not... It, not everything needs to be instant that you pick it up and it's super easy. Give it give, like put some effort in. Maybe you will learn it over time. like it's it's uh, it's worth investing some time in, in things. But yeah, let's uh, let's leave the pickleball and and puddle thing and go to the next gen finals, which has started. It's actually a match going on right now uh, of a player that I don't think I've ever seen called uh, is Matteo Arnaldi against Brandon Nakashima, Nakashima, I know uh, and I've seen several times. And uh, Arnaldi is the third Italian player in the draw. Uh, we have Musetti who beat Seng today from Taiwan, I think. And then we have Leheska beat F- Passaro, also another Italian guy. So very Italian-friendly field uh, in Milan, where I think they could have held uh, the ATP finals as well, because Milan is also a bigger town than Turin. So this decision is also a bit strange, uh, but that's another story. Uh, so, what do you think about the field in the next-gen finals? There's no Rune. Uh, do you think Musetti will win? Is he too good for the rest? He's the one with the most uh, accolades so far.
1: Um, I, I would say uh, Draper can definitely cause some, some troubles for, for Musetti. Um, I think it's it should be Musetti. Um, you know, now he's a top 25 player. So, if you think about it, as a top 25 player, you're destined for great things. Um, And next year, the the rankings will be the correct rankings again, uh, finally, because, you know, this year has been with the COVID rankings and everything. It has been a bit sort of a weird one, but now it's going back to the normal one. And and hopefully Wimbledon will be the same ranking. So you will get ranking points for that. And hopefully Novak can play uh, wherever he can. I'm not really sold on it, to be fair. So I I, I know about uh, Arnaldi and Passaro as well. I follow them on, on Instagram um, and, and pretty good ranking. So, you know, if for a 21-year-old to, to be 134th, uh, which is Arnaldi, is good. And Passar is in the 120. Uh, so he's 119 and he's 21 years old as well. Both are good. You know, Lehecka obviously showed why he is uh, top 100 in the world. He's 74th. And he's he's playing really solid tennis, as as most Czech guys do play really good technique. And we could, we could see that. I'm not really sure. Like, I think it should be, I don't, I, I don't really think Arnaldi or Tang or, or Passaro will, will cause any upsets really Uh striker or stricker can, I think beat Nakashima. So that might be an interesting one. I really feel Draper will be, will be topping his group because he's just, he, he has just too much tennis for these guys. Uh, although Nakashima is a good player. He, he doesn't have anything special so he doesn't have a you know he he has a great all around all around game and and he showed it in wimbledon as well where where he he got uh, curiosity five sets but yeah i don't really feel anyone is 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 that strong apart from musetti and draper so that's my gut feeling that it will be a musetti draper final where musetti will win uh because musetti has been playing amazingly well and i was always betting against him so now we'll bet on him so he will lose (laughs) but i I like missetti um i I really like his game i really like his style i think his serve is getting a lot better they're working on his serve constantly which you can see it's definitely better that he's playing with an uh, extreme tour rather than than his old prestige mps uh, or pt57 or what his mold was because i remember when i first seen him at the age of 14 he was playing with a prestige and you know that's that's not the most user friendly racket and definitely the extreme tour is um even with a with a mold, mold which we don't really know i guess it's it's around 310 305 sort of weight and and then then he has a a massive swing weight for his uh, for his one-handed backhand you know Passaro and Arnaldi, i think they will be like okay sort of hundreds players so you know there's there's quite a few italians who are like journeyman but they are in the top 100 and they are outside and i think what these kids are trying to achieve is to get into the main draw of the aussie open so um so that's that's up for grabs um i think they might even be playing a few challengers after this and they might try to get into the top 100 because if you're around the one 120 it's it's pretty good and another thing before I ask your opinion, opinion and your your predictions for, for the next gen is that there's a really strong field in Bratislava uh, on a challenger with three Hungarians on the draw and two of them actually won. So it's, um, it, Van Reithhoven is there. Uh, Zheng is the first seed. Uh, Zizu Berg just lost. Um, Gombo Schnorbert, uh, we've got, John Borpiroz, you know, who, who I talk about quite a lot, and also Marojan Fabian, he beat Strouk today, so that's a great result.
0: Yeah, it's impressive. And
1: yeah, yeah, and then we've got Rodionov, uh, Travaglia, Travaglia, sorry, Mahats, uh, Marta, Brody, and Fuchovic. Uh so it's, it's a pretty strong field in a challenger.
0: Yeah, we actually talked about that. Uh, I played tennis today, which is no surprise to anyone. And uh, <laughs> afterwards, we had lunch. And uh, my friend, who has followed the tour uh, in a betting capacity, uh, he was very very knowledgeable about players. He he asked me if I had seen the 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 scoreline from Ikel versus uh, uh, what's the Sisu Berks, and it, I think Ikel won five games in a row first set, 5-0, five, and then he lost, this is indoors, so it, very surprising, and then he lost five games in a row, and then he won one each, and then I think Bergs took the tiebreak, but it's like, it's rare to see an indoors professional tennis match where someone has 5-0 and can't close the set, that was, that was a bit of an interesting scoreline <laughs> in the match, uh, so, so that was fun. Uh, yeah, good. Good to see some good challenges. I think people wanna wanna play more tennis. Obviously, they they wanna change the the points and and the, especially for the Australian Open and for some players, especially, uh, or you know something that is in the in the horizon. Uh, when it comes to the ATP Finals, I don't know if there's points for it. I would say no, right? Because they only play uh, a no. different format. Yeah, it's more of a no a, for the for a...
1: the next gen. No, no, there's exactly. there's no points.
0: So what's interesting about the format I just wanted to go through it bit briefly for people who have not followed it they always have some interesting rules at the next gen finals so they they play best of five sets uh, with four games uh first of four games not six uh, which, it looks even just looking at it, it kind of hurts my eyes. I mean, I'm so like tennis nerdy, so I can't even not see the the six three. Uh, but I I don't mind that they try new things because maybe tennis needs to do that, or or for sure probably does. Uh, But so first to four, and I'm going to listen to your opinion about that after this, but no ad scoring. So like in doubles, uh, pretty much uh, very fast. Uh, They allow the fans to move around, which I think is generally quite good. I think tennis sometimes a bit silly with everybody has to be silent and quiet. And this, maybe we need to open up a bit more movement and not everybody needs to be in a church when they play tennis. Otherwise they can't play Um, live electronic line calling. That's not so sexy in my opinion. Uh, but they had the video reviews. And one thing that they said, they had towel racks, which is <laughs> sounds like an Ikea feature, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's not to have this, the ball boys go and, and pick up sweaty towels, which was always very strange. And then they get the towel in the face from some angry player. Uh, so it's not the nicest. And they have a quicker shot clock, which makes sense. 15 seconds instead of 25 when you ace or double fault. And only one sit down per set which really speeds up everything. Like they have speeded up. I think that is the main focus to say, how can we speed it up and still keep it tennis? Uh, So now I'm keen to hear what you think. I'm going to say that I picked Musetti for the title with Draper as the outsider. So I'm not really going on a limb here. I think that is pretty sensible.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think those guys are just, uh, you know, a level above the other players. Yeah. So um, I like the fast four format. So I, I played uh, the amateur uh, circuit back home. Um, that's, that's where I was, was playing. And we played uh, like a, a champion's set, which was uh, uh, first and nine. So it was nine, seven. So it was basically eight old tie break. And that was quite a good one as well. But you know, if someone starts four love up or five love up, it's really hard to catch back. And you know, that's why I like this format more. Because if you lose the first set four love, then you have the second set and the third set to regroup. So I, I kind of like that idea. I don't mind it, um, but I do know what you mean about like, why do we, why are we twinkering around with this? But, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's quite exciting. Um, about the moving around, I do see what you mean. I do get it, although it's in your, your eyesight when they move around. So it's it's kind of annoying, and and you know these tennis players, they are all idiots. We are all idiots, apart from you, because you're not too bad. But <laughs> you know, the the higher quality players are, and I'm not one of them. I'm just an idiot on the court. But you know, they they all have these. They are focused. They are laser focused on the fuzzy yellow ball. And if something happens around, and if it's if it's either the um, the scoreboard or you know there's there's the advertising board behind you or that sort of thing and that one starts flickering it will catch your eye and there's the same thing but i know that that uh, the whole lighting is is on the court itself and and the crowd can move around because there's no lighting on it so i think it's fine in that perspective and yes the church movement is yeah i i do see what you mean and i do agree to some certain extent <laughs> the tower rack I don't know why they mentioned it because that has been the case for the last year. So it has been for for every tournament. But I like the IKEA um, Just example because because it's quite funny that you can actually maybe they can take it home with them if they win or they, if they lose. Yeah. it's wh- it's
0: the first prize. Is that you get the towel <laughs> rack? It's like the uh, actually talking about prices. It's it's quite decent the prize money. I mean, tennis you can make some money if you get up to this level. Uh, so if you're just an alternate, you're just watching them play. You get thirteen thousand dollars. And there's also, and if you participate in the event, you get $82,000, which is not a bad payout for four days of uh, of uh, hard work. You win one round, round-robin match, you get $28,000. Uh, if you get to semifinals, you get $130,000, 113500 uh, And if you win a final, you get 153000 And if you win the event without losing a match, you get 432000 So it's like an interesting... Um, kind of stacked price money thing where it's not like, okay, third round gets this, second round gets this. is like, if you do better, win more matches, you get more money, uh, which is not bad. I think if you can incentivize players in that sense, I think that makes sense. But yeah, it's quite decent, uh, decent price money.
1: It's it's quite funny that you that you brought this up because two things. One is that the ATP Finals works the same, so you don't actually just uh, so if you win more matches and if you if you don't lose and that sort of thing, you get more incentives. The other thing, which I just had a look at and I was actually quite surprised, is that the winners, the doubles winners of of Paris, um, they got like two hundred and forty thousand dollars for the first uh, first prize, which is pretty decent, I would say you know, even for doubles. And um, yeah, honorable mention, it was Wesley Koolhoff and Neil Skopsky who won it. Um, and they that was their fourth or fifth tour uh, tournament win this year. So they had a really, really good season. Um, Skopsky is a great, you know, Koolhoff and Skopsky, both are great players. So I'm, I'm not surprised. And, and they both rocked the PP57, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're both, uh, they both had...
0: Ah, I I don't hundred percent know them, but I, I can check. Well, Skupski
1: is a deaf is is a hundred percent, but I think Kuhlhoff is playing with head as well, and I think it's it's a prestige uh, paint job which they always put on the PT fifty seven.
0: Yeah, we'll generally, I PP57. mean not not with Andy, for example, but uh, yeah, generally they they do that for like Ivashka and stuff. Uh, I actually had Ivashka's rackets in my hand because we were Nikki was painting them this week, so. I check. Okay. Yeah, check specs. Oh,
1: okay. So what what's what sort of or you you cannot say what what color. No, they,
0: I mean they... it's a, I don't remember them by by hand, but I can say that it's it's uh far lighter than I thought for a PT57A. Mm-hmm. I w- I was usually you, you see like for example Poprin when he played the uh, PT57A, he had a 360 swing weight. Mari has a 370 swing weight, strong uh, and that's pretty high. I mean, that's not something like a recreational player cannot even, you know, hit the ball properly with, that, I would say. And then you have a guy like Iwarszka, I think he had around 335s, which is not at all crazy. I was impressed that he can play with such a low-powered frame uh, with that swing weight uh, customized. I was impressed by that.
1: But what sort of color are they or how come they... No, he used to say, yeah,
0: it's also a prestige paint job. That's why I thought about it, like it's a prestige-looking... Racket.
1: Oh I get you so so uh so head sent it to Armstrong Cups, customs to to paint it up to uh to a No piston. no I
0: they, I think he, he, Ivashka sent it himself so I think he arranged cuz he wanted like his initials on it and stuff like that he didn't want to oh, change I the get paint you. Yeah, Okay
1: okay okay understood so he's gonna be playing with the prestige uh paint job but he wants some uh tweaks yeah, on some extra on like right. your okay, name okay, on you. it
0: or something yeah yeah exactly. yeah Yeah.
1: okay 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 so that's yeah because so cool. they're lovely lovely frames that that was quite interesting that even with doubles you get quite good price money because um you know that's uh because i i remember that like uh and that's that's a, a fairly general sort of thing about tennis as well that like you know the pros or the junior players oh no I don't want to play doubles yeah you know there's 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 not that much limelight yes true it's it's not in the focus that much but you can make a pretty good living out of it so to be fair it's not, it's not too bad.
0: No I think like uh, advice to all the juniors who play competitive tennis high level competitive tennis and love tennis start playing doubles early i mean like you learn more about tennis and also if it doesn't work out with your singles career making it as a singles professional atp player is super difficult like you can't kid in anyone like it's such a demanding sport you need money you need support you need a good team you need everything right and you need to be lucky with no injuries and so on so adding doubles to your skill maybe you're going to Going to be a natural, like very good doubles player. You always have that option to keep playing doubles, which is much easier to uh, to actually win tournaments and and you know excel in than singles tennis. There's less competition, and uh, yeah, so definitely you will learn a lot more about tennis. You will improve your volleys, your reaction times probably your serve uh, by playing doubles so it's it's uh, it's a shame that you don't say i think juniors are playing a bit more doubles than they did a while back uh, that's what i'm seeing around in spain at least but but i think in in many many places there they are not a lot of doubles going on and that's a shame
1: it is cuz cuz i think uh, doubles is a really good game and i think it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch with the with the scoring system as well as you said they were tweaking around with that one. So that, that is, is, is also quite interesting that, you know, they just sort of decided on, on uh, having the no ad uh, the receivers choice and, and all that. And, and it was making wonders. And um, you know, cause now the, the only place where you see five hour doubles is in Wimbledon uh, everywhere else. is just one and a half hours. Quick fire, really good matches, and you know those guys can play some tennis. And the other thing about juniors, what you said is one thing: play doubles. I like that. The other thing is that if if you're not a Nadal or a Novak or a Misetti or a Rune or a Federer, I don't want to leave anyone out, <laughs> um, or Alcaraz, <laughs> then uh, then do think about the um, the American studies and and what you can do in the college um because there's so many opportunities the the american system is usually really good and i do a hundred percent um emphasize it that you know you can get a lot out of it and if you have a degree you can still decide as nori did as Eisner did as all those guys did yeah i'm gonna be a pro and look where they are now uh nori just lost to um who was that uh, Mute. So yeah, that's where they are. <laughs> uh, but he's definitely an overachiever, and and that's what. And you know, he has a degree under his belt. So yeah, definitely study and play some doubles.
0: Yeah, and I think it, it's uh, good because y- you will have less nerves if you know we have a backup plan. Like I mean, if you put all in everything on tennis and it doesn't work out, partly you might have. And I I do notice that when I talk to a lot of ex pros, uh, you might lack you know your skills or confidence or uh, the ability to just move into traditional life with work and stuff. You you might like, because living in a tennis bubble is very different, like professional sports and real life is very far apart. So it's a completely different universe. And then you suddenly you, you should you do some work or do something and it feels very empty and very strange. So I think having an education, having been in another environment, not only focusing on your tennis career, I think it's very healthy as well, because otherwise you get into your own head and, and your bubble. Do you have anything you want to add, Dennis, before we eat dinner?
1: <laughs> Not today, <laughs> no. Uh, let's just watch some tennis and, you know, whatever as As I want to emphasize it, as well, let's make tennis great again, because this is this is such an unbelievable sport, and I know that i'm I'm stealing this quote from uh, so many different places. but but as as we said, um, we are more than happy to be advisors, and you and I know that you are already giving a lot of advice to a lot of different people and juniors and all that. But please reach out because we are more than happy. We have been doing this for thirty plus years, so we know what we're talking about. we We love to help, and that's what that's what matters.
0: Good. That's a good way to end the, the show. Thanks, Dennis, for taking part. Let's watch some Next Gen. And next week we have ATP Finals. So we'll we'll break that down when we get the, the draws, perhaps.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I do feel for Alcaraz. Uh, I just want to uh, finish with that one. He had a great year, and, and it's such a shame that he going play the ATP Finals. But this is life, and this is, this is professional tennis. Thank you, Giannis.
0: And uh, before we end, I want to also say that he wanted to play the Davis Cup in Malaga, which uh, I am going to, and most likely. So, uh, yeah, it's a shame because I was really looking forward to seeing him play because I'd never seen him live. I've seen Novak, Roger, Rafa, pretty much all the other guys, Mario, and so on, but never Alcaraz. So that would have been cool. But yeah, next time I'll see some other good players for sure. All right. Have a nice evening, man.
1: Cheers. Bye.